Proverbs chapter 2. Be reading verses 1 through 13. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord God gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of the evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness." This morning, the message entitled, Love is a Life-Changing Work. We've been looking at, during this Advent season, hope, peace, joy. This morning, we will be looking at love. You might think, well, I didn't see the word love in this passage, preacher. I hope you're not preaching into the text what you think is there. I hope I'm not either. I don't think I am. Stick around, we'll find out. We want to look at the activity of love, the reward or blessings of love, and the eternal fulfillment of God's love. Let us pray. Lord, we ask this morning that you might speak to us through your truth, through your light, that we might be encouraged as well as instructed. We long to strengthen our faith. We long to be nourished by your word. We ask humbly this morning that you might do so each and every one of us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. During the holiday season, we frequently hear stories of people literally trampling one another in the shopping malls and in the stores. I have to be honest, I haven't heard any such stories this year. I must confess, I've not looked at any network news. Maybe that's why I haven't heard anything. I've not looked at any network news for nearly two years. I don't trust anything that comes out of network news. I find my sources elsewhere. A word to the wise. Do you want to lower your stress level this holiday season? Turn the television off. This is supposed to be a joyous time, but it usually is a stressful time of year. The story of one busy lady, frazzled with all the shopping, dragging all of her stuff up to the cash register to check out, just totally exhausted as she puts it up on the counter. She said, 
Whoever is responsible for Christmas should be arrested. And the lady behind the counter said, don't worry, they already crucified him. Perceptive cashier. This is very often not just a time to worship the Lord, but this is family time. And everyone has extra time off, most of us, and opportunities to get together. May not feel like it, but everything we do to get ready for all those expected moments with family. We all share the memories of growing up together and loving one another. And plan in all that time, all of those moments, we plan to make new memories of being together one more time. Those are expressions of love. And it all takes a lot of work just to get ready. Produces a lot of stress. We don't often think of love that way. That love takes work. Because love is an emotion that gives us gladness. It gives us joy. It gives us delight. It helps us to anticipate wonderful things. But it also takes a lot of work. Love often is experienced in life-changing moments. When were the life-changing moments in your life? Now we can look back through history together and think of those tragedies, those times when wars began or when disasters occurred. Those are life-changing moments. But I'm talking about personal times that changed your life. The first time you said, I love you. Or the first time you heard, I love you. When you asked, will you? Or when you both stood in front of a church and said, I do. Some of you older folks would understand this one. When the doctor called you and told you the rabbit died, there's a life-changing moment. Perhaps that life-changing moment, or one of them, was when you heard your newborn cry for the first time. Life-changing moments are motivated by love, motivated by desire, motivated by passion for life. We also need to consider that love is life-changing work. Because we don't always feel loving and we don't always feel loved. Much can be said about this, we can philosophize, but we need to see the lesson from the text. So while we're talking about love, I want to see what is here before us. Many of us have received the gift of God's love through the gospel. We've received Christ as our Savior. That was an expression of his love for us. We'll talk more about this throughout the message. But very often those of us who believe are overwhelmed by the cares of this world and the weakness of the flesh and sometimes the weariness causes us to stumble or get discouraged. And that's when we don't really feel as Christians loved. 
Where is God? I don't feel him. Why does feeling have to be the most important thing? Why can't you just trust what he tells you as truth? When the cares of this world, the weakness of the flesh, cause us to stumble, when we become weary and we grow cold, we need to remember God never went anywhere. He has always been there. He always will be there. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You've got to trust what he said, even if you don't feel it. Isn't that... Some of you youngsters don't understand this, but when folks my age were growing up, if we learned to drive, we had those cars that had a big sofa in the front seat and a big sofa in the back seat. We called them bench seats, but they're as big as sofas. And when we would go out on dates with our sweethearts, they could slide all the way from the window, sit right there, right next to the driver, the man, the guy. That was a lot of fun. Sometimes you could put your arm around her. Sometimes you could hold hands. I remember years ago seeing a comic strip on the morning paper. An elderly, elderly couple has got a picture of them in their front seat looking into the windshield. He's in the driver's seat. And she's over by the window on her side of the bench. And she's saying, John, do you remember when we were young, before we were married, we and we would drive somewhere, and we would sit so close to one another, and her husband responds, well, I never went anywhere. I never moved. Why does that happen? Even not just within our relationship with God, but within our relationship with another. Why does my heart tend to grow cold and distant? Quite frankly, love requires life-changing work. If you want to stay warm, you need to get close to the fire and stay there. I don't care who you love. If you want to stay warm, you need to get close to the fire and stay there. How does anyone do that? Looking at our text this morning, you want to know how to get to the fire of God's love? Looking at our text in Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you and make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding, call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding, seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. Now there's a lot of work there. You might not see it Apply it to your life. Receive is a verb. Literally means in the original language, take it in your hand. Grasp it. Treasure it. Hide it. That's what it means when it says, treasure up my commandments, hide it. Make your ear attentive. Pay attention. Focus. Incline. means to stretch out and in some t- context some translations where it's placed in the old testament bible bend down 
That kind of reminds me of Paul's lesson in 2 Thessalonians 3 where he's talking about if anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note to that man and do not associate with him. That word for obey in 2 Thessalonians is a very similar word to the Hebrew for incline when it's talking about bending down. In the Greek, the word is hupo okuo. Most of you understand what acoustics are. It has something to do with sound or listening. Hupo is a preface that means under. Under listen. That's what Paul used for obedience. Now think 2,000 years ago when Paul ministered to the early church. Everyone understood what he was talking about in obedience. The servant in the home would wait on his knees outside of a door and just listen for the voice of the master. Under listen. Whenever something was needed, they would get up and go in and tend to the need. So when I'm convinced that even in the Hebrew they understood this, this word in the Hebrew for incline, stretch out, bend down, reach for God's wisdom. Another word, call out, another verb in the Hebrew, means to plead. Raise your voice, translated understand, comes from the verb natan. It's, I'm not quite sure I agree with the translation. It's, I'm, I can't disagree with it, but it could be a fine, little more finely tuned literally means if you're going to raise yourself, give of yourself, get involved in your learning, suggesting a didactic kind of an atmosphere with the Word of God. Conversation back and forth. Dialogue with God's Word and truth. That's why it's important to come to church where you can talk about what you're learning, what you're reading. You can ask questions. Get involved with your learning. All of these things are describing life-changing work that brings you closer to the fire of the Lord, closer to the truth of his word, and keeps your heart and your faith alive. Makes you enjoy loving him. And then the text says, that is when it will be like silver. Treat it like treasure. Our Lord Jesus, I cannot help but think this was in his mind when he said in Matthew 13, 44, talking about the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid and for joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. I cannot help but think that the Lord had Proverbs 2, 1 through 13, in his mind. Treasuring and loving God's word and his wisdom and his presence in your life. I'm sorry, it takes work. 
We've got to engage, and we don't always do. We wait. We wait to be fed. We all understand, we especially who are parents, understand that little children come into our lives and into our homes. They're part of our family. And we feed the little ones by the spoonful. And we get all the pictures. And they are so precious to us. We get that first year birthday picture of the cake all over the child's face. And it's wonderful. But sooner or later, that you get very tired of that. And it's time that child learns to eat for themselves, to feed themselves. And I know that there's some, when they start learning that, the food just goes everywhere sometimes. But we've got to remember, they eventually learn to feed themselves. Right? What is cute and precious at one and two years old would not be so enjoyable at 15 or 16 years old. There are a lot of Christians in this world who are still babies. They're still waiting to be fed. Just give me something that will make me feel good on Sunday morning. And then they never look at the Bible the rest of the week. They aren't asking questions. They aren't staying close to the fire. They aren't reading on their own. They aren't learning on their own. They're 16 years old, still being hand-fed. And they wonder, why don't I feel the presence of the Lord in my life? Do you love the Lord? Do you love his word? Do you enjoy his blessings? Do you enjoy his faithful provision? Especially at this time of year, we should all be spending some moments in our heart during our days just being thankful for all that he has done. Do you know that the Lord loves you and cares for you? Well, of course you do. How much could you tell me about him? On your own. We know so much about our loved ones because they are with us always. They give us great joy and gladness. I don't care if it's a spouse or a child or a brother or a sister. We know them. They are also sometimes a source of great disappointment and pain. And we could tell so much about them because we know them and we love them. Could you tell me something about your Lord? What could you tell me? You who have been Christians most of your life, what could you tell me? When we look at our text, we need to see that there is a if-then kind of a clause, and it's kind of long. If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. 
love the Lord? Then act like it. Do all of these things that the scripture tells us to do. Receive, treasure, pay attention, focus. Do you desire the presence of the Lord? Find time for him. Are you delighted to read his word and learn of him? Find time to do so. If you want to feel the warmth of God's love, then you need to stay close to the fire. Act like you love time. Sometimes it's hard work. Love, as you know, is very often hard work. We in the English have one word, love, and it fills in a lot of places. But in the Greek, there were four words. There was phileo, love, which was love for a brother. There was storge, love. There was Eros love, love for a man and a woman, and there was agape love. I remember when the evangelical church in the 1960s and 70s discovered Greek. There were a lot of churches that were named Agape Fellowship or Agape Baptist Church because they thought that was some spiritually powered kind of love that only we and God could find. But if you look closely at the usage of it, ancient times, agape love was just that faithful, everyday duty to the one you love. It wasn't always fun. It's the washing the dishes, washing the laundry, taking care of the sick child, especially in the middle of the night. You don't really feel like doing it, but it needs to be done because you're trying to be faithful to the home, faithful to the relationship. So even when you don't feel like you're loved by God or you feel like you've been offended by someone in the church, it's time to engage in that agape love. Be faithful to the Lord no matter what. Do you love the Lord? Act like it. Do you desire his presence? Move closer to the fire. When we love one another that way, when we don't really feel like it, when we give them that agape, faithful kind of love, that kind of activity, that action, it's because we love them, we know we love them, we don't feel like we love them, but we want them to know they are loved. They, they need your help, they need your encouragement, you are there for them. You are happy to put in the work, the effort, and the energy. Willing to sacrifice your own comfort to meet the needs of the ones you love. There is a wonderful thing about learning to love the Lord. As we seek to get closer to his, his heat, his love, his heart.
I don't want to make exact parallels between our love for one another, our love for other earthly people, and God's love. Because quite, quite frankly, we need them and many of them need us. But there is a distinction between God, God's love for us and our love for him. God doesn't love us because he needs us. God doesn't need anything. He's not lonely. He doesn't need our fellowship. He desires it. But to love God, for us, to love God is healing of our own soul. Do you want to find satisfaction in your heart? Do you want to find encouragement in your faith? Love Him. Remember I said this was an if-then clause. We've talked about the ifs. If you do all of these things, if you work for loving the Lord, then... Verse 5, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. For the, love give, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equality and equity every good path for wisdom will come into your heart we've talked about the activity of love we are now seeing the blessings the reward of love God gives us his faithfulness his protection his wisdom his understanding and that's something we all need in this day especially in these last couple of years. And there is a promise in verse 10 that knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. It will be sweet. It will be delightful. That's what the word pleasant in the original language means. Discretion, discernment will watch over you and understanding will guard you. You will not be confused when you look out into this world. If you understand who God is, if you understand what his truth is, what his light is, No, the decision that politician made is just all wrong. He's going to lead this nation in the wrong path. That's the kind of wisdom you're going to find. Not just in political leaders. You're going to see it in foolish decisions around the place you work, the people you associate with. You will know God's wisdom. And I'm not saying that just to make you think that you're going to be better than anybody else. That is a reward of God's love to give him that, that you would find in his truth and in his light wisdom. That you may not be shaken or rattled in this world when things go wrong. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he 
will direct your paths. More wisdom from Proverbs. This is what it's talking about. It takes some effort to love the Lord. It takes some effort to know the one who loves you. But let me remind you what 1 John 4 says. We love him. He loved us first. And I don't think John's being silly. I remember when we were first courting, early, early time of my wife and I were courting. I loved you first. I love you most. Silliness. It brings back wonderful memories. But that's not what's going on here. We love him because he first loved us. And don't you think that he loves us because we are so lovable? Dave Kenny is not lovable. If you could see my heart, if you could read my mind, we'd clear this room in a minute. Do you really think you're worth it? Christ's death on the cross, do you really think you're worth it? I don't want to make you feel bad. I hope to encourage you in just a moment. I don't, but I want to give you some kind of glimpse that God is the definition of love. My wife brought my attention to a quote she read this week, and I'm not sure I've got exact word for word, but I think I've got the idea. It was by the late R.C. Sproul. The goodness of the most sanctified religious person on this earth measures closer to Adolf Hitler than to Jesus. You can be as good as you want to be. You can be as righteous as you can possibly be in your own strength. You're still closer to an evil man than you are the Lord Jesus. That's in this world. That's difficult for some of us to hear because we always like to think, I'm a good person. Why are you good? And are you good enough? I'm intentionally trying to make you squirm a little bit. You remember when the Lord Jesus in Matthew 19 account talked to a young man who came to the Lord and said, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I might have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. We all know, remember the story of that account where Jesus meets this rich young ruler. And he ends up telling him that man went away sorrowful. He didn't want to give the price to know the Lord. He didn't want to give up what he had. He thought he was going to be honored for what he had become in his own strength. In Proverbs 2, we look closely at those scriptures and we see God saying, if you want to know me, act like it. 
Humble yourself before him and learn of his truth and of his wisdom. Ask questions. Get involved. Focus. Scripture again and again says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God does love us. God does love you. Why? I have no idea. That's why it's called amazing grace. But I do know this. He has put in the work. He acts like he loves us. And all of his mercy and all of his grace and all of his faithfulness, he acts like he loves us. Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. On the seventh day, God ended his work. Listen closely. God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in, the, in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Now, a lot of preachers who use this as, use this as a text to preach about the Lord's Day and how we are to be faithful to the Lord's Day and resting on the Lord's Day. But the lesson I want to, or the point I want to make here is that God rested from all of his work. Now look, God is not measured by time. He is, exists in eternity. He is infinite and is outside of time. He is looking in. This is his creation, time. So what work did God rest from? Well, you say, well, the work of creation. From all of his work. What work was left to do? The work of redemption, salvation. God's already put in the work. And he is displaying it to us through time. Ephesians 4, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God's rested from that work, too. That you were made in him for his glory. And you have been blessed with his love forever by his promise before the foundation of the world. That should give your heart a great sense of security. That I am his forever because I have been his forever. But I don't know why. Isaiah 64, 6. Here's another one of those that makes us squirm. We've got something very wonderfully sweet. Here's something that's very sour. We are like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We are all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the word, have taken us away. 
we are sinners. And why God would love us in our rebellion is beyond me. But he loves us. He's put in the work. Isaiah 53. Our Lord Christ, the one whom we celebrate his birth this coming next Sunday. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God's put in the work for your salvation. He has put in the agape love, the faithful work, the hard work for your redemption. And he offers, you, offers it to you as a gift, grace. Learn of him. Look into his word. Find yourself near him as much as you possibly can, even when you don't feel like it. Seek him. Focus on him. Learn of him. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count himself equal to God. Equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. God got down into the sick, mucky, dirty pit of this world in order that he could get his hands dirty and bring redemption to the lost. I don't know why, but he did it. We are called to the activity of love, and we've looked at all of those things. True love, real love, to find a reward and blessing of love, you've got to put in the work. You've got to keep yourself close to the fire. The activity of love, the reward of love is God's blessings, and the eternal fulfillment of love is only seen in Christ Jesus, who gave himself for your sins. I hope you enjoy this holiday time because he has blessed you tremendously. You have loved ones, you have family, you have friends who are going to be cheerful, and that is a good thing. I want you to enjoy that. But do remember what Christ has done for you. And do remember how he has faithfully provided for your needs. Spiritually and physically. Shall we pray?
Okay, let's pray. Father, as we look together this morning into your word and we learn from your truth and your light, we, we understand all that you do for us and we are amazed at your grace and your mercy. And Lord, we... We do pray that we may see your blessing, warm our hearts, draw us closer to you more each and every day. Let us not turn our gaze away or be insensitive to your presence, but help us. Help us deliberately move closer to you as we study your word together. And Lord, this morning, especially for Fran's sister, Anne, we pray for her healing. We pray, Lord, that the doctors may have correct wisdom in how to deal with this aggressive cancer. We pray that you would encourage Anne's heart. And Lord, give Fran the strength to encourage her sister and to be there for her. We pray, dear Father, that you would be with this family who have been faithful to you so very long. Give them your grace and your strength as they Stay close to Anne to give her support and to give her love and to encourage her. May your healing hand hold them all firmly close to your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. 